0: Hello, my friends. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that I'm taking a four-week pause right now from airing new episodes of the podcast so that I can focus on my health. But during this time, I am going to continue to air an Encore episode each week, and I'm purposely going to choose some of my absolute favorite or most impactful episodes. This episode that I'm airing today is one of those. It's with Georgia Anderson, and it's about coaching your kids through their big emotions. And not only is the content and the takeaways of this episode extremely life-changing, but the relationship that I formed with Georgia as a result of recording this episode has truly impacted my life for good. Georgia and I did not know each other before we recorded this interview together, but we really clicked. And in the months after this interview was recorded, I was lucky enough to have Georgia on my speed dial, (laughs) and I could text her or call her when something difficult came up with my kids, and she would walk me through it, and she taught me how to be their emotions coach. I can't overemphasize how skilled she is and how much her work has blessed our family. So I was so excited this past week when I saw that my dear friend and mentor Georgia was releasing an online version of her workshop on emotion coaching. And I wanted to share that with all of you. I didn't tell Georgia I was going to do this. She's not, I'm not an affiliate or anything. I just truly, truly believe in her work and I know how it's blessed my family. And I wanted all of you to know that there's now an online version of her workshop available. If you listen to this episode and you wish, man, I I want a mentor like that. I wish we had classes like that near me. Please get on her website and find out about her online course, which starts May 1st. It includes some pre-recorded sessions as well as live coaching via the internet from Georgia. I truly believe in her work and her ability to transform families. And so I just really wanted to make you aware of this new offering that she has. You can go to knowhowmom.com to find out more and the links will be in the show notes. This is episode 77 An encore of How to Coach Your Kids Through Their Big Emotions with Georgia Anderson. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Our little kids come with big emotions. Too big, it sometimes seems, for those little bodies. Is that enraged screaming really coming from that small person? Is it normal for a tiny girl to be able to pummel down her big brother when she's in a fit of anger? And it's the happy emotions too. Like when a huge belly laugh bursts out of a baby and you simply can't believe that all of that was contained in that little person. And I think our children feel it too that their bodies and their minds can't hold or comprehend all of this. And sometimes it just comes bursting out in bizarre and irrational behaviors. As parents, this can bring out the bizarre and irrational in us as well, despite our best intentions to stay calm and level-headed. So today on the podcast, we have an incredibly wise, educated, and seasoned guest who's going to teach us how to coach our children through those big emotions so we can keep a hold of our own. Georgia Anderson is a wife, a mother, a stepmother, a mother-in-law, and a grandmother, and she's taught parenting classes for three decades. She's a certified active parenting instructor and a Gottman-trained educator. And she teaches a variety of in-person parenting classes and workshops based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. And when I asked her via email how she got involved with teaching, she said that parenting classes saved my sanity as a young mother, and I hold firm to the belief that every parent and marriage should start and continue with good education. So I'm so honored that she's going to give us a sampling of that education today on the podcast So, Georgia, welcome to 3 and 30.
1: Hi, Rachel. I am so happy to be here.
0: Well, we're so happy to have you. One of the classes that you teach is about emotion coaching, and so I asked you to come on and talk about that. So I just wanted to start with what is emotion coaching? (laughs) Well, you gave
1: a wonderful intro into, (laughs) you know, what happens when we become parents. I think we become parents and we just think, it's going to be the, the Instagram story of us holding that baby and everything is just beautiful and we have this vision of parenthood, right? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, these little people start to emerge and these big emotions start to emerge, as you described, and we're kind of like, what is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> so emotion coaching is actually something that emerged from some of the research of John Gottman, who if you aren't familiar with his work, you should be. yes. If you are a parent or if you're married, um, he's who we refer to as the Einstein of love. He has done over four decades of very careful, in you know, intricate research about what makes relationships work. And he started as a child psychologist, really interested in child development and what makes a successful adult based on what happens in their childhood. Mm-hmm. So he, he always says, you know, I didn't come up with any of these ideas. I just stole them from other people that I watched. And so he put kids in a lab and he st- started watching how they related to each other. And then he started watching how they related to their parents and how their re- parents related to each other and basically just gathered data and information about what what worked for these kids. Mm-hmm. What he This is where emotion coaching came from because what he realized is that children, even when it was regulated for IQ in testing kids, the kids that had the ability to regulate their own emotions, to self-regulate, had a better ability to connect with other people and could use their IQ more efficiently. Wow. So whether they had a high IQ or a low IQ, they were able to use what they had to a much higher capacity if they were able
0: to regulate their own emotions. And was this something that kids were just born being able to do in his studies (laughs) or someone had taught them how to regulate their emotions?
1: You know, I think some kids, I mean, watch your own children. You can see that some children are blessed with that ability to a greater degree than others. But all people, all, all of us need help in regulating our emotions. And really, the best example of that is having someone who's a good listener listen to you.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: when you have that experience of someone really listening to you, do you notice what happens to your physiology?
0: Yeah. Like when I have that experience, um, I feel a release almost of that stress or pressure that's inside of me or sadness. It might still amazing? be there, but it's yeah. like released somewhat.
1: Yes. And and what happens is that, I mean, we can talk about this later in the steps, but you're, you're actually used able to use your executive function in your brain because Mm -hmm. when you're in that high state of emotion you really all the oxygen gets cut off from your prefrontal cortex and that's the area of executive functioning where you are empathetic and where you can reason and you can be creative and you can problem solve that all gets shut off when you're Mm -hmm. having very intense emotions Mm -hmm. so being able to be heard and regulate that and eventually to regulate that in yourself is what emotion coaching, you know, what a parent can do to help a child to do that.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. So so how do we do it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like certain scenarios even from this past week with my children when they when they got really crazy emotion emotional and what mm-hmm. do I what do I do with that? What are the steps I take?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what we teach in class and I can and we will. I really worked hard to narrow it down to three steps for you, because it's it's three and 30.
0: (laughs) I know, because normally your classes on this are multiple sessions, you know, several days, right?
1: Yes, or it's a weekend retreat or something like that. So it's usually about five or six sessions or a 12-hour class. So we're going to really give you the nuggets today.
0: All right, I'm ready.
1: You want want to jump in? Yes, give
0: me the first one.
1: Okay, the first nugget is as a parent or a friend or a spouse, but we're talking about kids today. So to start noticing emotions when they are small.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So let's talk about your own child who had the explosion this week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, you know, all kids do it, right? We all do it. Yes. Would there have been an opportunity, and sometimes there's not, but would there have been an opportunity if you had been able to be observed? servant earlier before the explosion happened could you have noticed the emotion when it was small do you think
0: um, in this case i felt like it really came out of nowhere but i'm sure that's just because i'm not as attuned to looking for different types of emotions so so what happened in one specific scenario that i can think of from this week um my son and i were laying on the bed listening to harry potter which is something that we love to do together And his little sister was in her doing her quiet time. They each do an hour of quiet time. Mm -hmm. And when we were done with Harry Potter, I said, now it's time for you to go do your quiet time. And he said, well, do I get to come out when Sally comes out at the same time as Sally? And I said, well, no, because we listened to Harry. And so she's been in there and you haven't. And he just lost it. I mean, (laughs) just exploded. And in my mind, I'm like, well, we just had this bonding time together, like and so then I start my emotions go and I'm like yeah. he's he's being ungrateful right for this time we just had and he's being irrational and so, you know, we I took him into his room and he was just in there just raging and screaming. <sighs> and my husband was like, "You need to go in there and help him, like you need to hear him out." Whereas I was like, no, I think he just needs to let all this emotion out. Like he needs to get it out and then he'll be calm. And Uh so I didn't go in there and he did eventually calm down. But Uh um, my husband was just like, I don't know, we were kind of at odds with how to deal with that. So in going back to your question, I wasn't sure, I didn't see any small emotions happening earlier, but maybe I'm just not attuned to what those emotions would be. Okay. Okay. So that's
1: awesome. So first of all, what you did is perfectly okay. And what your husband suggested may have been perfectly okay, depending on how far out of his head he was, right? Uh So if if he was super out of his head and he was totally tantruming, you you can't reason with him then. But I guess what my real question would be is when he asked that question the first time,
0: Mm. when
1: he said, mom, am I going to be able to come out at the same time? Mhm. That could have been your opportunity. Yes. Because in that question there was what? A concern. There mm-hmm. was something, right?
0: Mhm. There and was I, an
1: emotion driving that question.
0: And I do think that I looking back on it I can see that I said, well no, and he started to get kind of agitated and, and negotiate, which he does. Yeah. Um. And that's when things were building, you know, is yeah. that he was, well, this or that or why or, and he wasn't feeling heard because I was just insistent on no, 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 you uh-huh. aren't being grateful for the time we just spent together, get in your room and start your quiet time, you know? So I wasn't hearing him right. out when he was just feeling whatever he was feeling, um, That was small. I I I don't even have a word for what he was feeling, which we'll probably get to. And then it exploded into this big thing. So Uh yeah,
1: okay. So and again, we don't need to be perfect at this. In fact, it's really important that we're not. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but if this were perfect, right? If we had wanted this scenario to be perfect, that noticing that emotion in that question would have been an opportunity to connect with him. Mm. So. Um, it would have been you slowing down, which is very hard when you're a busy mom and you're trying to keep on the schedule and you're trying to keep things in order. But it would have been you saying, oh, an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's realize that this is an opportunity to connect with him. I'm going to take this opportunity. What I see in his face and I hear in his tone is I'm just taking a guess here, but maybe some hope that mm-hmm. he will be able to come out sooner.
0: Yes. And I also think he definitely has a personality where I kind of call him like a justice. Like he wants everything to be fair. And, and so if he ever has any sense that things aren't fair, it really triggers him and sets him off. Mm, So there's probably hope in that question. There was probably also, um, like nervousness that things weren't going to be fair somehow, Yes, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hear him out. I just was insistent that I knew right. best. And you
1: and you maybe didn't want to have a ten minute conversation at that time. So that's all <laughs> those are all judgments we have to make at the time, right? So but if you wanted to take this opportunity to connect with him and let it be a moment of connection, which sometimes it can happen super fast if we become really good at it, and if the child's willing to participate, which usually they are because they love to be heard and feel like they're heard, right? Uh-huh. So so we could take a guess at what he's feeling mm-hmm. and say when he asked the question if you had take if you had decided to take the opportunity you could have said huh you seem a little bit blank mm-hmm. what would you put in there
0: um you seem a little bit oh see i don't even know um upset Maybe. just yeah. upset or um i'm not sure or what would you
1: concerned? say concerned <laughs> it might be concerned yes or or, may, boy, you seem kind of hopeful that you can come out at the same time as your sister. Or you seem a little concerned that this might not be fair.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect.
1: So we're just going to put, this is actually step number two. <laughs> okay. Or uh, takeaway number two. We're going to put words to the emotion. Okay. So what we're going to do is connect the feeling to the content of the situation. So the first one, we we notice the content. We notice what what the feeling is. And then we put a tentative statement toward that content. So huh, you seem a little bit nervous that you might not to come out, be able to come out at the same time. Now you see I'm choosing all kinds of different words here because I'm not sure.
0: Right? right? And I'm
1: not going to assume that I know what he feels.
0: Mm. Okay. You seem this. You seem, you and seem then...
1: or it sounds like or you know, you you can try straight on reflecting. You're feeling really you know, worried that you don't get to come out at the same time. And where that's where you're just basically mirroring the child straight on. Mm -hmm. And if you do that with a curious tone, that's fine too. Mm
0: -hmm. But the
1: the whole idea here is that you put words to the emotion in a tentative statement and give it back to them.
0: Mm -hmm. And then do you allow them to to say yes or no, Yes. yes,
1: absolutely. And they usually, they will correct you and they will narrow in on what they're feeling. What you're doing here is helping the brain, the, you know, amygdala back in the rear brain where all the emotion is felt, you're allowing it to connect neurons in the prefrontal cortex, which does all the reasoning and logic and making sense of things and being creative and problem solving. Mm-hmm. So you're literally creating pathways in the brain as you do this with a child
0: mm. and helping
1: them connect the feeling to the content so that they can lower their physiology. When you, when you verbalize the emotion, it lowers their physiology. Oxygen can go forward into the brain and they can actually start to problem solve. Now, children aren't good at this, right? Your, your prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until you're 25 years old. But every time you do this for a child, you are connecting those synapses. You know, they say neurons that fire together, wire together, and you want those to wire together. Mm -hmm. You want that verbalizing the emotion, noticing it, letting it diffuse by saying the word out loud, and then allowing space for the front part of the brain to take over and help. So you're, you're constantly, as a parent, that's really the essence of emotion coaching, that you are coaching that brain to fire those neurons together. Oh. And what you're saying is, all feelings and wishes are acceptable.
0: Mm-hmm. That is so okay, that.
1: important for us as human beings, to help us self-actualize. All feelings and wishes are acceptable. Not all mm-hmm. behavior is acceptable. But all feelings and wishes are acceptable.
0: Hmm. Okay. I'm writing this down. I'm taking notes as we talk. Um, okay. And I love what you said in there, too, about that uh, noticing, um, recognizing that emotional moments are the best opportunities that you have to connect.
1: Yes. And that is a research driven fact. You know, in all Gottman's research, watching these children and child development, it's it's when parents are able to connect with their children when emotion runs high, and I hate to tell you, but especially negative emotions
0: mm-hmm. have
1: the strongest impact on connection.
0: So if I can reframe that for myself when I can feel a heated moment coming and instead of thinking, Here we go, you know, if I can think, oh, opportunity to connect, this is the best time yes. to connect then that it's almost, I don't want to say exciting, but (laughs) at least it totally
1: turns the table.
0: Yes. It makes me think this is a, this is, can be a great mothering moment instead of this is going to be a horrible mothering moment.
1: Yeah. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. I mean, it might be hard. You may hear things you don't want to hear. You may, you know, things may not go according
0: to your agenda. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm sure. Um, and then that's interesting, though, that you said that once they're in full-blown tantrum mode, that it, that is not the time to try to do no. this with them, these steps with them. So can you yeah. do it um, retroactively? Can you, after they're calm, can you say, let's talk about what happened?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And it's great to start with the question, what, not why. <laughs> because why? When I ask you, you know, Rachel why did you want me to be on your podcast or something? You know, you have to quickly come up with reasons and mm-hmm. think of something where I, if I ask, what did you want to talk to me about? It's just, it's easier to state facts first instead of a, a feeling or a reason. So ask what questions mm-hmm. ask what happened in the room out there before quiet time.
0: Hmm. Um, okay. And then like, what were you feeling? Mm-hmm. When, when what were you were... feeling?
1: What was the situation? And then you can just start this conversation when everyone's calmed down, right? Mm-hmm. And and have the same conversation, which is much easier sometimes.
0: Yeah. And I did notice that as he raged and screamed, I mean, he really raged and screamed. And at that point, I felt like if I even if I went in there, I would either lose my temper and yell back, which mm-hmm. I didn't want to do, or yeah. I would be almost like rewarding with attention, this super negative behavior. I just kind of wanted his, to let his fuse go out, which it did. He, right. on his own, he totally calmed down and played quietly in his room. And then when he came out, I gave him a little hug and said, you know, I'm sorry that you felt we're feeling so sad. And then he went on his merry way, you know? Yeah, so
1: yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that flame just needs to blow out and we need just that division of time. If you if you want a little hint about that when you when emotions are too high, if you want to have a moment of connection in that, take that as an opportunity too. You can say, you know what? I am too flooded or, you know, I'm just too upset to talk about this right now. I want to talk to you about it, but I need a break and I promise we will talk about it at some point in the future, so you make a promise of return and you announce your departure. Those two rules are kind of like really a different form than just slamming the door and or shoving them in their room and saying, you're just staying in here until you're quiet or to mm-hmm. feel better. So right. just make a, you know, making that promise of return and announcing the departure. We're too upset to talk about this right now. We'll talk about it later.
0: Okay. that You're right. That's so different than just storming out and leaving them with that really hard emotion and then also feeling rejected um, mm-hmm. because of that emotion. Great. Um, so we've set we've covered the first two takeaways. Start noticing emotions when they're small in yourself and your children. And then to put words to the emotions. And I love that because my my son also gets creative with um, he just when he describes how he's feeling. And I love it because it makes me smile. It makes him me feel more tenderness towards him when, yes. cause he'll say to me, like once he said to me, my brain is just feeling all zigzaggy. Oh. And I'm like, I couldn't be mad at him anymore. You know, yes. like, oh, that's, he can't describe what he's feeling, but that is a perfect, I know what that feels like. Your brain gets zigzaggy and you can't reason. And he's just a little, huh. he's just a little guy, you know? And so it kind of diffused the anger for me. So putting Absolutely. words or even a description to how they're feeling.
1: Yes, and that that is a huge deal because, as I said before, it's actually firing synapses in their brain that is taking it from the emotional brain, which is just a reactive brain. To a much more intellectual level, a, a superhuman level up in your prefrontal cortex. You know, we are the only species that has this ability to reason and be empathic and do all these things, right? Mm-hmm. We want them to develop that ability. And when you put that word, when he comes up with a new and creative word
0: mm-hmm. to
1: describe his emotion, that's that's building his emotional intelligence because you don't want to just use the same five angry, sad, mad you know, those basic, those are very rudimentary words. We want to expand their emotional vocabulary.
0: Mm. And what do you suggest for that? I've heard that tip made before, but I'm, I do find I do default to the basics, even like on this interview with you. I'm like, he was uh-huh. upset. He was angry. <laughs> Is there like a sheet you have that you, that you refer you know, parents there, to? Or? There's a uh, thing you can Google. It's
1: called the feeling wheel. Mm -hmm. And it starts with the basic emotions in the center and it goes out to the outside, but it's just, I mean, you're an English teacher, right? You, (laughs) you, you talk about expression and, and and using your words to express yourself. I love your son's idea of my brain feels all zigzaggy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Such a, yeah. Like you're, you're telling me how much that information that gave you.
0: Yeah. Well, and even I thought asking them to describe what, their body's feeling physically yes. um, could ha- be helpful too if they can't find the word for what they're feeling emotionally.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you're talking to a massage therapist here, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I, I so believe in that you're, you have to embody, you do embody your emotions. And I love the title of one of my, an interesting book I've read. It's called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die because they're, they're just in you right? Mm -hmm. So being able to talk about them and express them is huge.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm writing down these book suggestions too. Great. And then what's the third takeaway?
1: Okay, so the third takeaway, we get to the second part of that sentence, all feelings and wishes are acceptable. Not all behavior is acceptable. So the third takeaway is to set limits and problem solve. Mm -hmm. So So then we get back to your scenario to how do we emotion coach when a child seems completely unreasonable or there is misbehavior. So those are two things that are kind of different. Sometimes if a child's being unreasonable, they're just being super emotional about something that doesn't seem important to you, or if they're misbehaving. Mm. So um, we can still be an emotion coach in these situations. Uh, It doesn't mean that we put up with misbehavior. Right. Right. So the tactic in this situation would be to say, I can see that you are really upset. And sometimes we are too. Mm -hmm. So we have to be the example here and show our children how to verbalize our emotions. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and say, you know, I can see that you're really upset. I'm really upset as well. It's okay for you to feel, feel sad or, or, Unfair about the situation with your sister. It is not okay for you to come out of your room, for instance. Mm -hmm. That that might be the you know,
0: or one thing. I mean, to me, it seems okay for him to yell and scream in his room. Uh huh. But I sometimes he's thrown things. Both of my Uh kids have thrown things Uh and like damage their doors and stuff. And that that to me is where I'm like, it's not okay for you to throw things and break property. Like you, right. You can feel that and get it out, but you can't break things,
1: right? And there would have to be hopefully a consequence for that behavior, either losing the object they threw, or the door comes off the bedroom, or whatever <laughs> you whatever you decide to have. And hopefully the child will decide with you when you have your what happened conversation mm-hmm. after the fact. Yes, um, the child will decide what the consequence should be for some for damaging property, for instance. Uh huh. Um, and that's a whole nother topic. But, but the idea is tuning into the emotion and also letting them know that all behavior is not acceptable. Hopefully, as we raise our children, we're taking them, we're having problem prevention talks ahead of time. We're having you know, scenarios where, well, when, when we are really mad, what is okay to do and what is not okay to do? That would be a great topic for a family meeting to prevent it. But mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment, we can still emotionally coach if, we have, if we're in our heads. If we're not in our heads, all we can do is say, I'm too upset to talk about this. We'll talk about it later. We're going to have a timeout, whatever you do, you know, to, to do that, which you did with your son, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So it sounds like I, I did at least a few things right in that scenario.
1: <laughs> I think you did a lot of things right. Remember, you don't have to be, you don't, you don't want to be perfect.
0: Right. And why, why do you not want to be perfect?
1: Because the whole reason we are here is to learn from experience and to repair.
0: Mm-hmm. That is
1: a happy parents and happy couples secret weapon. And that also comes from 40 decade or 40 years of research. Repair is so valuable. Reconciliation is what relationships are about. It's, it's, it's moving forward, making a mistake, repairing that interaction. That's just another form of using negative emotion to connect people.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. So often, the reconciliation after a fight is can be really, really sweet and connecting and bonding and you think about, okay, well, how are we going to, or talk about how are we going to do things differently next time with a child yeah. or with a spouse? And you feel even closer almost after the disagreement than you did yes. before.
1: And being willing to go to your child and apologize and say, you know, I did not like the way that happened and I don't like the way I behaved. I I want to have a big magic eraser and I want to erase it. Can I have a big magic eraser? Can we try again?
0: And, and- they're so willing Kids are yeah. so willing to, like, to forgive you and let you try again. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. So can you tell us the three steps one more time?
1: Yes. So number one is to notice emotions when they are small. Number two is to put words to emotions to connect. You're actually connecting synapses in the brain when you do this and make those statements tentative when you reflect them back to the child and then number 3 is to set limits and problem solve. So, all behavior or all feelings and wishes are acceptable, not all behavior is acceptable.
0: Great. Well, I would love it if you could tell people how they can find more of your work, what you're involved in and what could be helpful for moms.
1: Sure. So, I have my Instagram account which is Know How Mom Tips mm-hmm. on Instagram and we have I have lots of fun challenges and things you can get involved in there if you'd like to. And then my website is knowhowmom.com that talks about all my classes and upcoming
0: events. Okay, well, I will put uh, links to all of this in the show notes so people can find more of your work. And we're just so grateful that you've given us your time today. So that episode was the beginning of a great friendship that has truly blessed my life. Sometimes I can't believe how lucky I am to have met, talked to, and become friends with so many incredible parenting experts and people. I'm really lucky that way, and I wanted to share Georgia's wisdom with all of you by letting you know that she has an online option available now. So if you need something like this in your life, go check it out, knowhowmom.com. I also wanted to thank those of you who left me a review last week. I asked that during my break, those of you who haven't left a review for my show would hop on and leave one. It's so encouraging for me to read those and to find out what you're liking about the podcast and what I should continue doing. And so, thank you to those who've done it and to those of you who haven't yet. I would so appreciate it. Your feedback and comments on my episode last week about how I was going to be taking a break to prioritize my health were so kind. I can't thank you enough. This is why I love this community. When I come back full force in May, I know I'm going to be feeling better than ever. And hopefully that's going to reflect in the content and the caliber of the show. So you can expect a new episode on Monday, May 13th, which is the day after Mother's Day. And in the meantime, I'll be airing these encores. And I so appreciate your love and support. Thank you, thank you. And have a great week with your family.